This is the I Read Comic Books podcast, the very best comic book podcast for regular comic book fans. I'm your host, Mike Rappin, and joining me this week are two washed-up film actors trying to break back into Hollywood via an MCU movie, Kate Lamphier. Hello. And Nick White. Uh, I'm not going to be Chris Pratt. Damn it. All right. Well, that's fine. Uh, We can still move forward with the show. Um, I'm, you know, welcome back to another episode of I Read Comic Books. I'm very excited to talk comic books with everybody. I hope you were able to hang out with me and Danny on Friday as we were attempting to build the Batmobile. Uh, I very severely underestimated how much time it takes to build like a 500 plus piece Technic Lego set. And I was like, I'm going to get through like this, all like half of these bags in three hours. And it took me two hours just to get through three or three hours to get through two bags. It was a total mess. The whole video is up on YouTube. Uh, if you want to watch me and Danny kind of figure out how Lego works for advanced adults. Um, but, you know, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Danny and I are going to try to continue to build our Batmobiles probably maybe next month or something. So look for an announcement about that. But for now, we're here to talk about comic books. I've got two legally mandated questions that I have to ask you. And that is, how have you been? How have comic books been? You know, let's start with you, Nick. Uh, sure. Um, West Michigan Weather Watch, we're not out of it yet. I, I really, really, God, and like somebody revoked my Michigan status because like I very stupidly was like, I think we're finally done with winter. I think, I think we did it. We melted all the (laughs) snow. We're fine. And then we got like maybe an inch or two yesterday. And I was like, look at us, look at a stupid fucking calendar, Nick. It's it's February. Right, like you're not right. you're not safe until m- maybe even June. Technically. <laughs> right. Um like, did, it, did someone it, shoot that freaking hedgehog or whatever they're called? What is he? Punxsutawney Phil? Groundhog. <laughs> did someone shoot Sonic? Did someone shoot him? <laughs> he lost all he lost all his rings and went back into his hole again. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. now we have six more months of winter and this, Robotnik rules the world. Yes. Exactly. Um, this is how you get kids in on the old traditions. You just gotta update the image. Instead of Punxsutawney Phil, it's Sonic the Hedgehog now. Please. Yeah, yeah, please. yeah. They just hold him up and he's doing the waving peace sign. The, uh, no, the ah, ah, ah. Yeah, know. yeah. Eating um, a chili dog. I saw this thing on Twitter like a month ago about Puxatoni Phil, which I mean, I preface this just because maybe this is all a lie and made up. But the article was like, did you know that one year they dropped him on his head and he died in like four days and there was a cover up that what? they like, I'm serious. I, okay. I, you I know, will go back and verify this. I yes. should have gone back and verified it before we were recording, mm-hmm. but um, now someone else can just prove, Danny can prove this in, in real time and, and get back to us. But yes, but please. I heard there was a Puxatawney Phil accidental death cover up. So, wow. Um, well, how does this tie in? You. How does this tie into the book that you read, Nick? I know you read some <laughs> right. comics. <laughs> well, what else have you been doing other than reading blatant lies on the internet? Um, <laughs> which is like a, you know, what what a redundant thing to say. Just say you were on the internet. Um, yeah. yeah. Other than that, you know, just been, uh, didn't have to shovel snow, but uh, uh, cracking some Magic the Gathering packs and simultaneously saying I am, I am done with this and I am not done with this. And mm-hmm, I... Mm-hmm. Um, been marathoning the Halo show on Paramount, and it's surprisingly okay. And if you know okay. nothing about Halo, probably actually going to be an even better experience for you, honestly. Okay. Um, I, I, I say that in, in a good way, honestly. I, I think that they've decided to unburden themselves from some of the um, encyclopedically boring lore 
So Halo fans come at me. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's for the better. So sometimes uh, adaptations, do your own thing. There you well, go. I was I was kind of hoping that given that today, I guess I should have said it's at the top of the episode, we're, we're yeah. intentionally trying to read books that tie into our Goodreads Book of the Month theme, which is uh, comics, exactly. non-capes comics that were adapted into uh, non-capes comics that were adapted into movies or TV shows. Um, I was half expecting you to maybe find some Halo comics, but um, you have something else, right? You know, actually, yeah, that stuff is out there. But I think in, in terms of a segue, I think this idea of adaptations do your own thing. I feel like there's been a movement in recent media within the last two or three years to sort of give adaptations uh, sort of an acceptance or a freedom to kind of pave their own way Mm -hmm. or accept or reject certain parts of past lore or narrative. Um, And certainly, like I said, I feel like I saw this in terms of the Halo show. Also this weekend, I watched the 2023 film, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem. Hell yeah! Um, I was I was looking for how I was going to deal with the theme of this week, or how I was going to um, uh, sneakily circumvent it. And I told friend of the show L, I was like, I'm just going to read a Hellboy comic. Ha 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 ha! Going to read what I want <laughs> and meet the theme and talk about Dave Stewart for probably uh-huh. the ninth show in a row that I've been on. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm going to get around this. I'm a sneaky, sneaky boy. And she's like, well, what, what are you, what are you going to read? And I was like, I, 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 you know, I'll read something that ties in with, with the, the new Hellboy movie. And she's like, well, what book is that based upon? And I looked it up and she's like, are you going to watch the new movie? I was like, I don't know. She's like, it's going to, maybe it would be a little irresponsible, irresponsible (laughs) of you if you, if you read the book and didn't watch the movie. And then I Uh looked and the movie was on stars and I didn't want to pay for stars. And I didn't want to give them my email address in order to get a 30 day trial of stars. So I was like, (laughs) I got to find another way here, folks. <laughs> okay. This is the path, right? This is how uh-huh. we got here. No yes. one wants to know, but now you do. Um, and so I was looking for something else and I was like, oh yeah, that new Turtles movie is there. So, mm-hmm. um, and I heard good things. And so I watched the movie and um, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's on Paramount. It's really enjoyable. Um, if anything else, I feel like, so many of these CG movies that are maybe not totally targeting kids, but are kid friendly mm-hmm. have kind of fallen into that um, minions slash Pixar kind of house aesthetic of like, this is what a, this is what a CG movie for children should look like, can look like. And I feel like mm-hmm. this movie really has its own strong visual identity. Oh um, yeah. It really feels like the original comic in terms of having a real scribbly, scrabbly, doodly, um, hand-drawn, like hard lines, um, uh, quote-unquote rough aesthetic that I mm-hmm. I really, really, really thoroughly enjoyed. I felt like it was very true to the source material. Um I mean, there were some things in there that were a little hyper topical that may or may not stand the test of time. Like sure. one of them, like, you know, Donatello says he modeled his driving after Forza Horizon. And I was like, OK, you know, that will probably still be around in a couple of years. And there's like a <laughs> joke about Splinter needing someone to fix his Roku at one point. Yeah, I was like, yeah, you yeah. know, that's fine. That's fine. But um, I, I really, really, really enjoyed the movie. Can't recommend that enough. In the same vein, I went back and I read Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Ultimate Collection, Volume 1. Damn. 
Um, I've, I've read this maybe once before. I'm not so sure I fully completed it, but it had been a while and mm-hmm. getting to reread this book is always a treat anyway. Um, this is written and drawn by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird uh, with letters also by Eastman and Laird and occasionally towards the end of the volume um, uh, letters by Steve. I assume that's Levine. It's written like Avril's last name. So I yeah. assume it's Levine. Yeah. Um, he was a skater boy and then they drew Ninja <laughs> Turtle comics. Um so this was first published by IDW in 2011, and several years later, in 2018, they released Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Color Classics Volume 1, which, as the name suggests, are basically the you know same original comics, just published in color for the first time. Um, for those that are really interested in this, and I know that there were at least one or two people on our subreddit, maybe subreddit not subreddit discord um Mm -hmm. maybe like a month or two ago that were like oh is there a reading map for this how do i get into this um for those people who absolutely have to have color comics um i have read both i think the color treatment is um fairly faithful to the era i think it looks good um i don't think it muddies or covers up the absolutely fantastic pencils and inks so if you have to have color um go right ahead both both are fine um but personally i still like the black and white yeah and it's 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 interesting to sort of compare the two and what really shocked me i think the most is that i didn't remember or think that the ninja turtles personalities would be coming through so strong in the comic so early like on page three they're like yeah, Raphael can't wait to murder people. He loves murdering people more than the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, wow. And like at the beginning of the second issue, they've got um, Donatello like quietly, you know, soldering a, a circuit board. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, like they were laying some of these threads like real, real early. And I figured maybe some of this was maybe done down the line or that it was part of like the TV shows attempt to like really make them visually distinguishable. Mm-hmm. Cause I think people certainly my age, when we think about turtles, I think the first memory and maybe one of the strongest ones has got to be that animated series from the late eighties, yeah. early nineties yeah. where they've got the belt buckles with their insignias and they've got oh, the different yeah. weapons <laughs> and they've got the different color bandanas. And yeah, there's yeah. a lot of different ways to really distinguish them from one another. And when you've got the original comic, it's in black and white, so the bandanas <laughs> all look the same color. Mm-hmm. Um, the belt buckles don't exist, um, so it really becomes important to either a and and the other thing, which I think the animated series, the original animated series, in terms of like body shape and body type and body size, I think they were all identical. And then with some of the other shows and and subsequent things that come along, including Mutant Mayhem, mm-hmm. um, the body shapes and size and height differ yeah but that wasn't the case originally so you really had to like look at the weapons in order to get an idea of who was who Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and and then you know the personalities had to be established so i was just really surprised full credit to eastman and laird because i thought some of that was honestly the creation of the show or something that happened down the line i did not think that they were sort of you know doing some of that so early so Mm -hmm. um yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel like when I went back and read some of this series, um, I think I did read this black and white classics edition. I think it was like 
I'm sure the comics that are in this ultimate collection are in that similar black and white ultimate collection or whatever that I read. Um, yeah, I remember being surprised by how fast the story moved. And like you said, how quickly you are to figure out who each character is just from how they're written, like just how their dialogue is written in some cases um, and their interest in all this stuff. Like we clearly have the aggressor in Raph. We still have the leader <laughs> in, in Leo and stuff. So <clears throat> it's. I don't know. It's it's funny to think like I agree with you, Nick, because in my head, I'm like, oh, no, those old comics, they definitely like were all generic. And then that got established over time because I feel like that's how a lot of comic books kind of develop their characters. Right. Like if you think of the original X-Men or you think of like some, you know, they're some of the older like Avengers stories, you don't really get like the strong personalities of some of those characters until much later. And it's like, no, Donatello, like the entire like TMNT group knew who they were from like the first issue of that story. I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 also kind of funny because like in in the movie to to very lightly tiptoe around the movie, right? Mm-hmm. The turtles they want to be normal, they want to go to school, right? They want to have the experiences that mm-hmm. a teenager has because the movie really leans into this like you know, you know wanting to be a normal teenager, wanting to be accepted, and the pressures that come with that, you know, within yeah. school and whatnot, and. Um, like that's what they really want. And, and Splinter is like, you got to stay away from humans. Like they're terrible. They're going to kill you. They're awful. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just want to keep my, my little turtle safe. And in like, in like the comic Splinter's like, Hey, like, let's be honest for the last 13 years. Like I've been training you. Cause I need you to go kill the guy that killed my master. Like, <laughs> I know that you're your own person and you've got your own wants and needs, but I'm on a mission for revenge. You are my tools. You gotta go kill this guy for me. And they're and like, I was like, of course, of course, master. Whatever you say. And they're like, this was the plan from day one, master. And I was like, this is a real departure from the movie. The movie is like, you're on your own journey. And the and the movie is like, you need to do what I tell you, okay? Because like uh-huh. I'm your dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was a real, that was a real like real trip, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> But I but, guess uh, you, so. You've read the comics. You watched the movie. Yeah, I guess like yeah. What do you think? Like, how do you think it compares? Do you feel like there is a still a through line? Like, do you feel see the, how the insp- the original comics insp- inspired the movies? I I think the movie really hit some of the broader points that it needed to hit. It mm-hmm. made them their own characters. I appreciated that. It was interesting to see them take the approach with April O'Neil, which was more in line with the animated series where she's Mm -hmm. like a a newscaster or she's involved in the news whereas the original um comic and then the idw reboot had her as baxter stockman's lab assistant right um so she was actually more um you know tied up in the science sort of side of things i thought you know personalities wise it was it was true to that and some of the other characters and like the utram empire and there's mm-hmm. another character that gets revealed at the very end of the movie that I won't talk about. People can probably guess, but just watch the movie. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really faithful, but was also just totally able to be its own thing. And I hope media just broadly continues to be willing to let things just carve their own path and yeah. not just have to have this just terrifying like adherence to like, you know, you either you you either like walk the walk or whatever you're doing is just dogma, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It'd be you know maybe we'll talk about this in the post credits because I have a lot of thoughts about how TMNT can do that, but I think other 
franchises cannot but that's that's a whole other discussion yeah, um but totally. for for now i'm gonna bounce over to kate how have you been how have comic books been what have you been reading I've been good. I've been um, trying some new restaurants or revisiting some new restaurants. So I've had some really good Ooh. food lately. Um, I went nice. to a, an Ethiopian restaurant and then I got some takeout from like an authentic Mexican restaurant. And basically, this is the way that you should handle February. You eat some good food. You hibernate. <laughs> you read comic books. A plus. Uh-huh. I love it. Um, and one of the comic books that I read was Algerian, The Forgotten Women of the Algerian Revolution. Algerian is spelled like super French. So if you go to look mm-hmm. it up, <laughs> this is by Swan Morelli, De Lupi, and Ivanka Hanenberger, who is the translator. And this is um, this is a Bond destiny. And I was at the library looking for nonfiction stories about women for like this Women's History Month special that we're going to be doing in March. Heads up. Mm-hmm. Um, look mm-hmm. out for that. And I, I picked this up then. And this wasn't actually nonfiction once I started it, but it is heavily influenced by like real experiences that women had during Algeria's War of Independence back in the 1950s and 1960s. This was between Algeria and France. Um, that's the, okay. the French <laughs> uh, comic book. And this follows a young woman trying to unravel her family's history. And uh, she kind of like follows these fine threads of information. Like, you know, she'll talk to one person and they'll be like, oh, talk to this other person. And um, and that'll lead her to like hearing more more of these stories. And those stories are what make up this this comic book. And if that sounds familiar to you, you may have read the modern memoir, Algeria is Beautiful Like America, which was part of the reading challenge on our Goodreads group a couple of years ago. And yeah. um, so that's like this book algerian is like an insightful look into the war that was referenced by that book so this was kind of like a like get both of these books at the same time maybe like i almost wish that i had done that uh and so algerian is like this anthology of stories and they're all written to intersect with one another but sometimes like you have to watch the background art to see where these stories intersect which was really interesting i really like the way that this was handled because it's not something that the protagonists of of this book seem to know was happening in all cases like sometimes you would see characters from previous stories in the background so you kind of have to like be on your toes and pay attention to the art And this was a really good example of why I love comics, because like I I don't know that I ever would have picked up a nonfiction or nonfiction adjacent book about the Algerian Revolution 70 years ago. Um, But this is like it it looks like a pretty short book um, and it has this really striking cover of of this woman covering her face and she's got henna on. But then you look at her sleeves and they're like bloody and it kind of like all blends together and it makes this really striking, beautiful image. And then you realize, Mm. oh, my God, there's blood. Um, I do want to say that that I there's content. A content warning here like the entire book is about war so like all of these stories are a little hard to read but the last story in particular is really brutal um there's like everything assault torture violence um and if that's going to bother you just try to skip it and get to the last couple of pages because there is a really nice epilogue that kind of like ties this protagonist's story together like Mm. revisits um the reason that she went to algeria to to explore her family's history in the first place so um yeah the end of the book wraps up very nicely interesting yeah i i feel like if i saw this cover because I, I just pulled it up it i definitely would want to take a look at that but i'm right there with you i don't think i would read a non-fiction ish book about like the algerian revolution right. yeah uh, but this this sounds cool like you've, you've yeah. sold you know i i think that's like 
like what you said, this is why comics are great, right? This is what makes comics so interesting is that they're able to attract us to stories that we maybe wouldn't have been interested about. I mean, like, let's look at like someone like all of Box Brown's entire like bibliography of like, let's, I mean, I love Tetris. So maybe I'd read a nonfiction book about Tetris, but I don't think I'd pick up a prose book about Andre the Giant. And yet here I am. Andre the Giant book is like one of my favorite things. I, I love how people are able to take nonfiction and in, in nonfiction-ish stories, right? And turn them into comics that can be really, really digestible without like losing the point that the stories are trying to tell. Like that's that's so fantastic. Um, so, you know, this is, I, I'm very much looking forward to that that episode that's coming up in a, in a couple of weeks. But uh, so hopefully I'll hear more of those types of comics that yeah, uh, the, you definitely. and the rest of the gang picked up. Um, but let me let me talk really quick about what I've been up to and what I've been reading. Uh, I I've been slowly but surely trying to rein back my my Pokemon spending. Um, I was I was on a cliff, the edge of a cliff the other night. Um, I think I was talking to Nick. <laughs> I Ooh, almost yeah. I almost yeah, bought yeah, yeah. like way too many cards because there was like a I was trying to do a cost analysis in my head of like how many card packs do i think i want to own and how many card packs do i think i'm going to buy over the next couple of weeks could i just buy them all in bulk and save myself money um and then i kind of backed down from that because in my head i was like that's just a lot of pokemon cards to have in my house um and then i went out to dinner last night with some some folks and now they're trying to convince me also to get into magic by lending me commander decks so that i can start to learn and i was like i can't i cannot go down two paths like this um (laughs) it does it's it only leads to ruin but um other than that going i can't join you yeah yeah yeah. it's uh but uh beyond that i've i've been reading naruto and catching up on that um i'm like 20 chapters in uh, we'll see. Maybe I might have to do a Naruto episode sometime in the future. But the book that I want to talk about this week is uh, Blue is the Warmest Color. This is a, a comic that was published uh, in 2010, and then it was made into a movie in 2013. So it fits right on the theme. I did not have the ability to watch this movie because it's like not streaming anywhere. Um, so oh, I picked fun. I looked this up because I wanted to get a book that was a bit off the beaten path, right? Like there's tons and tons of lists out there of all these different comics that have been turned to movies like i have considered rereading two guns so i could talk about that because that got turned into a really weird movie yeah Uh, yeah yeah. but i decided not to so i decided to pick up this book blue is the warmest color um this is by jewel moreau was originally published in french this is a really really sad comic i do just want to say that uh (laughs) there's uh I'll, i'll put a content warning out here at the beginning there's some sudden medical issues that kind of define the entirety of the book um but the story is uh it's set in 2008 and it follows emma as she reads from the diaries of her recently passed girlfriend clementine uh from the start we don't really know much beyond there is some contention with uh her girlfriend clem uh, and her parents, I should say, and Emma's presence in their home. But Clem's mom makes sure that Emma gets Clem's diaries because that was one of Clem's, like, aka Clementine's, like, last request before she passed was make sure that Emma gets these. Um, so we dive into Emma's life through personal narration, her journey from unsure sophomore in the French equivalent of high school, who's in love with a boy, to a senior in high school, fighting with feelings for an older woman and uncertain of, like, who she is in terms of her sexuality and gender identity. Um, and this is all takes place like in the nineties. So it's the story takes place in 2008, but it flashes back like a decade or so um, into the, like the mid to late nineties as Emma is like talking about her life's journey through this diary. Um, and this is all just the beginning of the story where, it, where Emma is kind of going through life, trying to figure out who she is in her senior year. And uh, she meet, excuse me, she Clementine is trying to figure out who she is through her senior year. Emma meet, she meets Emma, who is this older woman. Um, and it goes from there. I really don't want to say much else because it's, it's a very, 
roller coastery kind of story of what does Clementine actually want? Why is Emma treating her the way that she's treating her? How did they end up getting together in the end? Because clearly they were a couple enough to, you know, have Clementine give her diaries over to Emma. Um, and it's a book really, really about love, like as sad and brutal as it can be. And, and there is some bits and pieces about like self-discovery. Um, it's it's really a lot about love and like the trials and tribulations you go through as a teenager through your high school years and trying to especially when you're you're living in the time like late 90s and you're queer and that's not really a thing that anybody really accepts in France. So how how do you try to be true to yourself without, you know, pissing off your parents or just being openly stared at or insulted in public if you're holding hands with another you know woman if you're a young woman. Um so yeah, I I don't know. It was a it's a very, very strong book. Uh, it's like 160 some pages and it broke my heart like the last dozen pages just like tore me in half. And I was like, oh, this is kind of a sad book the entire time because we know that Clementine passes for whatever reason. That's why Emma is reading her diaries. But the lead up to those final moments um, in Emma and Clementine's like relationship uh, really knocked me across, across the head. I did not see the, the, the bit in piece that like finally set me over and to start crying as I'm sitting here at my desk uh, or sitting here at my chair um, reading um, really coming. So it was very interesting, very good um, in terms of just like very good storytelling and like getting you attached to characters in such a short amount of time. Um, the I really can't speak though too much to the art because the copy that I was able to like get digitally um, through Hoopla was really not like it was really blurry and I can't tell if that was intentional huh. or not. Like there were pieces of words missing and Whoa. uh I, again, I couldn't tell if that was intentional, like stylistically intentional, um, if there was supposed to be a lot of blurring because it's supposed to be like a reference to a memory or something. Um, but it also just looked like a lot of really bad digital artifacting. So um, I, I think I want to check this book out like in a physical form just to like see what the actual art looks like. Like for what it was reading digitally it was fine. Um, I, I could tell who the characters were. I could see what was happening. But there were just like some spots in the book that were just a little blotchy that didn't feel like natural watercolor because this book is it's like digital lines and some watercolor. Um, there's some really interesting things that happen with color here. But I feel like some of that was was uh, kind of put out for me because of this weird digital artifacting thing. So I'd really like to check out this this comic in person to see what it looks like. But overall, it was really good. Um, I, I, I think it gets across the emotion that Moreau was trying to to get across in this book about self-discovery and like how love is such an, an impactful and powerful thing for two people, even with the short amount of time that they could have together. Um, so I don't know. I really like this book. I have a feeling that the movie would probably, you know, cut me in twain um, and make me cry out my eyes. So very much looking forward to watching that if I can find a copy of it. Like it was available on Canopy, but I don't have access to Canopy. So that's you know, maybe one day we'll get there. But anyways, blue is the warmest color. If you want something that's going to gonna make you cry a little bit, I recommend it. I did happen to read this in print just like three weeks ago. No way. Yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> um, and I I think that it must have been bad, a bad digital copy or something that you okay. were reading. Because, I mean, like the art is it like the, the use of color in the art is very intentional. You can tell mm -hmm. like you can kind of tell that from the cover with her hair being blue. Um, yeah. So there's yeah. like these splashes of art through the book um and in terms of like the lettering i think that the font that they used because it was like a journal style like mm -hmm. that made it kind of hard to read but i don't think that anything was missing or blurry you know yeah like i 
in, entire like letters would just be missing. So wow. I feel like there's just like a bad scanning or bad transfer over. So I don't know. I, like I said, I'll definitely have to pick up a physical copy of this from the library or something just to see it because I would really like to have a full picture of this book in my head instead of this like JPEGified like awfulness that I read. So um, weird stuff. But anyways, um, Kay, I'm, I guess what were your thoughts on this book before I move on? Did you like it? Did you get the same vibe as me? Am I just like oh, a weenie who just can't stand <laughs> here when people die and things like that? Um, I I gave it a three out of five. So I think that okay. I'm right there with you. Like okay. I can see, I remember, I think that this book came out like since I've been into comics. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see, 2013. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's right. And I remember that it was like this big deal when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've kind of been avoiding it because I heard that it was it, it gets a little explicit at times, which I didn't really think was all that bad in terms yeah. of uh, what what else we've seen in comics I, before. Th- I was going to say, <laughs> if, if, you're, if your definition of explicit is like two half naked women kissing, like, yeah. I, I don't yeah. know, like I've seen much worse stuff in comics published by bigger publishers. Like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So I kind of like avoided this um, for a little while and. I, I mean, it was good. Like I enjoyed the like the self-reflective nature of the story and how you kind of get the perspective of of two different characters about the same experience. Um, but yeah, it was it was kind of a bummer, and uh, it was like the end of it was very it was very sad. And it, there is a twist in there that you don't see coming, even though you kind of know how it how it's going to end based yeah. on how the book begins. Um, but yeah, it was, it was very sad. I needed to read yeah. something else afterward. <laughs> oh, dude. I, and I, I will say that's, that's, that was the other point that I wanted to make is like, I finished that book and I'm sitting there and I'm like, literally like wipe my eyes and I open up my, um, uh, a- a comic reading app and I <laughs> immediately opened Transformers 5. <laughs> <laughs> so like you know just emotional whiplash so it's like you know this very sad story about these two women in love <laughs> and then we gotta save the transformers and yeah. optimus prime is just blowing people <laughs> up with a giant rocket um, i uh, think i started a romance manga after this and then i read all seven volumes in like four days <laughs> hell oh my yeah god wow hell yeah hell yeah um well <laughs> my, mike picking books like this it just always makes me think of like the who killed hannibal gif because like mike keeps picking <laughs> these books and he's like why does this keep happening to me and then he just picks another one and he's like why does this keep happening right it's me Uh, firing on me yeah yeah um But uh, yeah, well, let's let's move on. Let's talk about comics that we're looking forward to reading next. Hopefully some that aren't necessarily going to break our hearts. But um, I do want to shout out some of our folks, some of the folks hanging out with us live on Discord today. Uh, they sent over their top of their pile picks because they're on Discord and we notify. If you're interested in doing that, you should join the Discord. And when we at everybody to say, hey, what's on the top of your pile? You should send it over and you can get a shout out too. Uh, Hugh this week is reading Rise of Powers of Rise of the Powers of X number two. Danny is reading Ultimate Spider-Man number two. Um, big Marvel heads out in the studio this week. But um, I guess let me kick things back over to you, Kate. What's on the top of your pile? Yeah. Um, so it's another Bond SNA, another French comic. Ooh. <laughs> Third one this episode. Ooh la la. <laughs> this I one can't be say. sad, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, right? <laughs> um, uh. This is The Old Geezers by Wilfred Lupano and Paul Kuei. And this this was actually what I was trying to get for this episode. This was the book mm. that I wanted to read that has a, a screen adaptation. It was mentioned by a user called Evil Black Sheep on our Goodreads group. Um, for our, our February theme of non-Cape books with screen adaptations. And um, 
So the old geezers follows three men who are friends and it kind of like follows how their lives and their friendship change over the years. And there's there's two timelines in it. Um, and that's in the 1950s when they're young and then like modern day when they're like they're old geezers like, okay. like the title um, and I never really got into this like subgenre that we've seen of like kids getting into trouble or like sometimes you see you see outlaws or like anti-heroes not super into that kind of story but boy mm. if they are mischievous old folks I am I am here for it <laughs> Um, interestingly, there was only one copy of this book in, in all of Michigan in the Melcat interlibrary loan system. So mm-hmm. I'm still waiting on this book, even though I put a hold in like six weeks ago. It's okay. coming. I'm always interested to see where these books come from. Usually if it's a Bond SNA, it's like a university press or a university right. library. <laughs> right. This course, is coming from Traverse City, like mm. the tourist destination <laughs> of Michigan. There's, there's one cultured kid who lives up in yeah. Traverse City who's reading Bond SNA. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's got the he's got the ear of the librarian that you know picks the books that they pull in and yeah you got to remember up in Traverse City there is that fancy art school that's up there right oh right um, oh yeah the little Juilliard light that they have up there that yeah. supposedly Lady Gaga went to or something interlocking interlocking that's what it is and now that I'm thinking about it there used to be like a French fur trade up in northern Michigan and I wonder if that come up, kind of intersects with this whole Bond SNA French comic right. situation I'm Maybe. very interested now I gotta call this library and be like why do you have this book I'm building a cork board as we speak yeah yes. yeah that's yeah. perfect um, um, so the movie I wanted to, to mention that the movie is called Tricky Old Dogs and it, it is in French so you're gonna if you only speak English you're gonna want subtitles um, okay. or if you don't speak French rather and uh, this is available in the US through Amazon Prime and uh, I watched the trailer for this I do intend to watch the movie after I read the book this movie looks like just an absolute delight like comedy <laughs> about these these three older gentlemen getting into a whole lot of trouble <laughs> Here, here's the thing Kate I'm gonna direct you to a movie that came out almost over 30 years ago called bad Gr- grandpa Gr- no grumpy old men okay, okay. i think <laughs> and i think there's a sequel and i guarantee you if you watch the trailer for this you've seen this trailer before and went i don't think i would ever watch that because it's just a couple of old men just being assholes and getting away with it so i don't know it's, it's- johnny knoxville and he puts on no these no no and- th- no that's a different movie nick come on <laughs> anyways kate well I, you have if you watch this movie you have to let us know what, what it was like because this this does look very i guess i'll say jovial how about that just from the posters that i saw uh, well let me talk about books that i'm uh, a book that i'm reading next and that is steins gate zero volume one uh I, i'm gonna apologize in advance you can probably just skip past this we've got timestamps in our in our show notes you can just skip past here but um <laughs> steins gate is one of those stories that like itches my brain in a really weird but good way because it's all about time travel with some really overcomplicated made-up sciencey bullshit featuring non-stop Deus Ex Machina time travel stuff. Like, and I just can't get enough. Something about it makes me go, hell yeah. This is this is the kind of stupid science comic that I want to read. And for those of you who maybe don't remember from a previous episode when I talked about this series, um, the original story is about a guy named Rintaro Okabe. He calls himself like a mad scientist. Um, and he sends a text message to his friend after he sees the dead body of a person at this like science uh, convention. He sends a text message to his buddy. Um, he goes home and uh, it turns out that his buddy 
didn't get the text message until like the previous day. Like he essentially sends a text message back in time and he doesn't understand how that's possible. Um, he ends up saving the life of this woman. Um, her name is Kurusu Mikase. And uh, that was the one who had died. And he falls in love with her. Thing, the world changes, though, because of this text message. And he, he and his group of scientists that work in his rogue scientist lab realize that they can send text messages and other pieces of information back in time. And it changes what they call the world line. There's this whole branching path theory about like there is a single moment in time that all things branch off from because of this one text message that our main character sent. And the story goes bonkers from there because as, as uh, Rintaro is constantly trying to fix all these different bad things that keep happening through these text message time travel things. Other people start sending text messages. There's mysterious characters. Somebody travels from the future in a spaceship that was potentially related to Rintaro or turns out maybe it's not. A lot of weird things happen and the story ends up pretty sad at the end um, because you can't change time that's basically what it comes down to but there is this alternate potential path that the world can take in these timelines and the story of steins gate zero is one of those alternate paths it is the beta world line whereas our main story followed the alpha world line this is the beta world line um and the story follows it takes place in 2020 the original story took place in 2010 uh and Rintaro has given up after suffering through indescribable grief and untold heartbreak. He gives up on saving the girl he loves, but one day he meets her again, just not as he knew her from this chance encounter. The gears of fate would begin to turn once more. Um, I don't know all the heroes and all the people from Steins Gate return. If you, if you look into Steins Gate as a series, there's like video games and the whole entire story is based off of a light novel that got turned into a TV show. And I read the manga. And so I'm reading like the third hand storyline here. That is then a, like a secondary story to the main line i'm way in it and i haven't played the video <laughs> games yet but i kind of just love this storyline and so i'm really really excited to see what the hell even happens here there's the, the original steins gate was like this big collected edition that i read in a couple sittings i have volumes one and two of steins gate zero and i don't know if there's more there might be a third um but yeah i really like the anime when i watched it and uh, i'm very excited to read whatever this beta world line thing is so uh who knows? Maybe I'll start wearing tinfoil hats and try to send text messages back in time to make myself rich. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> have you guys you guys have heard of this at all? I don't remember. I think Nick, you and I talked about this a little bit, but uh, have you heard of this at all? Yeah, I mean, I've I I bought the what I think is all of the original run. Okay, I still haven't sat down and read it. Okay, I, I flipped around through it. I will admit, like I think the original manga ran maybe in like the mid aughts, I think like Oh four Oh five. Right. So my problem, at least with it so far, just from skimming around it is like thematically. I like the idea. The art style is feels very again, from someone who's not an expert on manga, like it feels very a little dated. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Like it's of a specific time. It's for sure. of its time. Yeah. 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 And so that's kind of my, my one little, setback with it otherwise i think it like you know i think it gets into some of the i think we talked about it gets into some of like the conspiracy theories about like oh this person was posting on reddit back in the early yeah, 2000s yeah, yeah. like were they really a time traveler were they not you know that does factor um, into the story which i think is very funny right and this guy's like oh i'm from the year like 2020 and i was like yeah that sounds maybe impressive but like if you would have asked me in like 2002 like could i make a couple decent projections about 20 22 mm -hmm. i probably would have done okay yeah like sure 
maybe I'm you know overestimating myself here, but like, come on. Uh, I don't know. The internet gets faster, and we use it for stupid things. Um, come on, Nick. We yeah, use this. come on. It's very important. Okay, we don't use it for stupid yeah. things. Um, yeah. well, Speak for yourself. Well, Nick, if you uh, <laughs> if you do go deeper into this story, I'd love to hear your thoughts yeah. on it. But um, I guess uh, let me let me bounce over to you then. What's on the top of your pile this week? Yeah, I'm sure this won't surprise anyone, and it feels a little on the nose. But I sure. am very cautiously interested in this book. Um, and maybe that's uh, appropriate that I lead in and say it's a Marvel book. Surprise. <gasps> um, this is Alien Black, White, and Blood, number one. <laughs> if you're rolling your eyes at the title, join the club. Um, so this is an anthology. Mm-hmm. It is going to be four issues or five. I think it's four. And the structure that they're doing is that there is a story that will span all of them it's a generation spanning narrative um and that will be written by uh colin kelly and jackson lansing who some of you might know from oh gosh what was the name of their boom series joyride okay or i know they've done a bunch of stuff for marvel i think they've done some stuff for dc i know them because i think they're the main architects behind the idw uh, Star Trek reboot. I know that they're certainly the the pair that are writing the main title um, of the 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 latest Star Trek iteration from maybe a year, uh, probably two years ago. Gotcha. Um, and then um, with and and that has art by Michael Dowling, who I guess has drawn Black Cat and Amazing Spider Man. Again, like apparently has done a lot of Marvel stuff, so I I really can't speak to Michael's work. Um, but so they're gonna have this series. Uh, of stories that stretches between all four issues. And then along with each one of these installments, there will be some little one-off stories uh, from such creators as Ryan Cady or Caddy. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Uh, Stephanie Phillips and Paul Jenkins amongst others. Um, uh, (laughs) The, the, uh, (laughs) the alien Wikia page pointed out that this will be the first alien title published by Marvel to have a subtitle. Uh, so 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 here's the meaningless accomplishments right yeah uh here's the stupid fucking little you know benchmarks uh but you know i thought about it and i suppose that if you renumber all your books three or four times a year uh marvel might know a thing or two about uh meaningless firsts so uh you know um marvel has done this black white and red thing Mm -hmm. before uh it did this with wolverine in 2020 it did this with darth vader in 2023 um apparently this time they were like well what if people don't know what the red is so now it's black white and blood uh (laughs) nothing like nothing nothing like respecting your reader's intelligence uh you know um so yes i i'm 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 cautiously optimistic uh you know, there are some names here like K- Kelly and Lansing. I, I can respect. I, I think Paul Jenkins has been a hit or a miss for me. Mm-hmm. But when he hits, it's pretty good. Uh, Stephanie Phillips, like, gets a lot of hype. I've read a couple of her things. Uh, for me, her stuff is fine. Like, yeah. it's not I'm not going to go out of my way to pick it up. So, um, yeah. But the uh, art, and- I saw the art preview for the book that she's on and the art looks incredible. So that'll at least be worth it for that reason, right? If 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 anything else, it's alien and it's 
and anthology and these days yeah. like you just you, you got to support anthologies when they happen because if you don't it's just another vote for people to never do anthologies mm-hmm, again mm-hmm. and i think that's too bad i'm more excited for the upcoming alien book that's following this which is marvel attempting to ring every dollar and bend every ip to their will yeah. which is that they're going to do and i hate myself because i want the book hate myself a lot for that uh they're doing an aliens what if series <laughs> i know right right yeah yeah, yeah oh they yeah, got yeah, you man they got you in a fucking stranglehold man exactly exactly they've you know and um it's gonna be what if s- spoilers for a 1988 movie you all should have fucking seen sure uh spoilers what if paul riser's character doesn't die in aliens but escapes and Paul Reiser is writing the issue, co-writing the issue with some of the other alien producers and his son. And yeah, if that sounds a lot like the J.J. Abrams thing where he like wrangled it so he could get his son to write a Spider-Man book, fuck you. This is going to be totally different. <laughs> this wo- I know this looks like nepotism. Listen, Nick, I'm, I'm very excited to hear what you have to say when this book actually comes out. Um, I do want to say, Danny pointed out in the chat that Marvel has done this black, white, and blood thing a couple of times yeah. because black, white, and red is like a DC thing. They did that with Harley Quinn and I think some, maybe some other stuff. So Marvel's trying to be a little bit unique. Um, they're not completely insulting their readers. I'll just say that. In, interesting, because yeah. I thought I said that they called it red with the Wolverine and the Darth Vader, and then they changed it to blood, but I will have to get back to you on that. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, it's 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 interesting to see between this and the what if that they are very carefully trying to put all of the Marvel like how can we you know all of the different like Marvel staple ring extra dollars out of things mm-hmm. into this because uh, as I've said before on the show up to this point uh, you know they've been doing Alien and Predator books now for maybe two years and mm-hmm. it's never really felt up until this point like they were like oh, we got to find more ways to make more money. You know, (laughs) up to this point, it was like, we did a Predator series. We did an Alien series. We haven't even done an Alien versus Predator series yet, guys. Here's the thing. uh, They went all in on the High Republic stuff, and I feel like that very much backfired. So now mm -hmm. they have to reconfigure how they're going to do some of their other IP. And maybe the the execs, I'm putting this in very heavy quotes, over at Fox are handling things a little bit different than on the Disney side. Now, even though they're all under the same umbrella, but like, you know, inter inter office politics bullshit who knows yeah Um, i i can't help but feel like and this is like i don't think this is a real leap of logic um that maybe some of this ip proliferation and escalation probably has to do something with the fact that the next alien movie i believe it's called romulus Mm -hmm. and i think it's coming just to hulu um the next alien movie as well as the upcoming Noah Hawley, the guy behind Fargo, mm-hmm. um, and and Legion, um, he's doing an Alien series, and I believe that's coming out twenty twenty five at this point. Romulus, maybe twenty twenty four. Yeah, I think it, I'm looking it up right now. It's it's labeled as twenty twenty four, and according to Men's Journal, Alien Romulus shocks cast with quote disgusting scene. So who knows? Yeah. It's it's going to be great. Right, that's the 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 movie I think is coming out this year, and then the Noah Hawley show I think is next year. Oh, the we'll, show! We'll I, sorry, I miss I misheard you. 
Yeah, we got two uh, we got two properties on the way, and I mean, if you're an Aliens fan, you're probably hoping and praying that one of them is <laughs> one of them is good. So, well, I I'll I'll wait till Alien or Nick's next Aliens corner um to talk more yeah. about this, but uh, I think to wrap up the show, I just want to say thanks for listening. Uh, thanks to Paul for for being here. Thanks everyone hanging out with us on Discord. And until next time, comics are good, and so are you. Yeah.